Hey friends, I'm so, so thrilled to be bringing you season three of That's What She Did podcast. That's right, season three of this tiny little podcast that started out as a simple experiment. And here we are with season three. As is our tradition, we are launching during Women's History Month. And this season, I'm bringing you a theme that is unapologetic. Each episode is organized under the umbrella of unapologetic women. These are women unapologetically pursuing whatever lights their fire, both past and present. I'm bringing you stories of these incredible rabble-rousers, truth-tellers, and artists that are lighting fires all over the place, or that history books did not make the appropriate space for. The season is going to be such a good time, and I'm so happy that you're here with me. So buckle up and let's get started. Hey friends, you're listening to season three, episode three of That's What She Did podcast, and I'm your host, Tangie Renee. I wanted to pop in and give you all a quick heads up that this episode is a doozy in a really good way, but I do want to give you a trigger warning and let you know that there's some explicit content here. This week, we're taking on the topic of sex work. I have a really courageous woman on the show this week talking about her experience being in the sex work industry. And I think you might be surprised about what she has to say regarding her journey. So I hope you will tune in and give it a shot. And of course, let me know what you think. I'm so interested in your feedback, whether it's about this episode or any other one, or if you have a suggestion for a woman that you think should be profiled or featured on this show. All you have to do is send me an email at that's what she did podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review. Smooches. Hey everyone, it's me again, your host Tangia Renee. That's what she did podcast and we are back in season three by popular demand. (laughs) So thank you all so much who at the end of season two went out of your way to let me know with messages and Instagram posts and emails that you wanted the show to come back for a season three. So here we are, it's Women's History Month. And I have a great guest for you. Today, I have with us Sita Kalen. Sita was born in San Francisco in 1970 after dropping out of high school. She graduated pre-law where she started stripping. Law school just never happened. She's a veteran sex worker who currently calls Los Angeles her home. She divides her time between writing, seeing private clients, taking photos of half-naked women, hanging out with her tipsy friends, sounds like a great time, and hanging out with her pet cat. On top of all that, Sita has a book coming out soon. We're going to talk more about that later, but welcome, Sita. Hi, everybody. So happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. So we connected, um, I think, initially over Instagram. Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, Because you have a really cool Instagram feed. Thank you. <laughs> right. And um, initially, I just thought you were a photographer uh, because the, the images have sort of a very distinct look. 
And then we started sort of corresponding with the assistance of your agent. And I realized there is definitely much more to the story. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. We're going to get into that today. But Sita, start out by maybe telling us a little bit what you're up to now and how you got there. Um, I am currently, so my book, just to be uh, clear, it actually did, was published by HarperCollins. Um, it last, it came out last uh, summer. Mm-hmm. So it is out. Anyway, we'll get to what you just said, but you said it was coming yeah. out. I just want to make sure everyone knows it oh, is out. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is anyway. out. But we can say it now. So your book is now going to be available in bookstores in the U.S. It was released internationally and now right. it'll be available in the U.S. starting April 30th. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what you were saying. I just want to make it clear. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for clarifying. And that's (laughs) called anything but a wasted life. That's me. So, um, yeah, actually, I started writing the book like a year after I started taking photos. So I've been doing both arts about the same amount of time, and uh, took a really long time to write the book. Actually, mostly editing. I edited it for like ten years. A nightmare process, but um, now what I'm doing after this is came out, I'm actually so grateful that I'll never edit that thing ever again. <laughs> it's like the best thing about having a book published, aside from all the obvious amazing things about it. But um, so I've continued to write. Um, I started the book in 2006, and uh, so now I'm already about to start my fifth memoir. So there's follow-up books. Um, it's gonna be a come. series. It's a series. Yeah, I oh. guess as long as I'm alive, I'll keep writing. Okay, good. You know? Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so I've written four books and the second one's a doozy and everyone's waiting for the second one, which I don't know when it'll come out, but it definitely will at some point because um, it really does pick up like exactly where the last one, the first one leaves mm-hmm. off. And so I'm writing each every day. And now I've also written um, a TV a pilot, which I've been oh. working on for a couple of years. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Based on my life and uh, not based on the book, but based on my life and more current life and uh, that I'm really like super jazzed about it. And hopefully fingers crossed, if I could get that sold, then my life will take a, a huge, I can finally retire. I can hang up my, <laughs> my hoe bag. Your hoe bag. Is that what we're calling it? I was yeah, going to shoes. <laughs> well, I would except that I'm not dancing anymore. So I stopped dancing in um, like December of 2013 after 22 okay. years. Yeah. And then now I'm just seeing pri- private clients. Actually, I'm just down to one client now. Okay. So yeah. we need to give everybody a bit of a backstory because like, I know there's a lot of people out there that say they want to write a memoir and they should go do that. Like yeah. absolutely, totally support your girl. But Sita really has lived a life that is <laughs> very much deserving of a memoir and then like a movie and maybe <laughs> so, like a Netflix series so that we can I love you. watch Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> love it. So we sort of itty bitty dipped a toe into your background in your bio when when I was introducing Mm -hmm. you. So tell Mm -hmm. us how you go from a a kid who drops out of high school Mm -hmm. that ends up going to school and getting a degree in pre-law and then just kind of going, I'm not doing that now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And taking a turn somewhere and ending up um, as a stripper and a sex worker eventually? Well, I, I started dancing kind of like how a lot of women do is mm-hmm. I was uh, in college earning you know, pre-law and I was, it was basically about a year and a half or two years away from graduating from college. And a, a roommate of mine um, 
I, whatever, had moved in and she was a stripper and I saw all the money. She was, I was working like three jobs. I put myself through school and, um, you know, just broke. It's, it was in San Francisco. It's where I'm from and whatever. And I saw this money she had and I'm like, well, that just looks like amazing. <laughs> you know, just the freedom of having, mm-hmm. and she's like, well, you should come work with me at this club, you know? And I had never in a million years thought of, you know, doing that or whatever, but I'm like, all right. And I went and I auditioned and I'll never forget it because this place was a very specific type of, wasn't really a club. It's a long, that's a long story and it's okay. in and of itself, but, um, you gotta get, you gotta read remember, the book, you guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it was funny when I auditioned the woman, it's a woman, it's not, it's closed now, but women used to run it and own it. And the woman was like, you seemed very natural out there. Are you sure you've never done this? Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so then I, you know, I started dancing and it was amazing. And, um, and then that's so what happened was after like a couple of years of dancing or a year, like a year and a half, I was making more money than judges in San Francisco. And so I was like, well, oh. fuck law school. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'll just like, this is amazing. You know, I can't always go back to school or whatever if I wanted to. I wanted to, I just wanted my juris doctorate because I wanted to um, redesign the prison system, mm. which is a whole other. <clears throat> well, we still need you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I actually have really good ideas. I wrote my whole uh, senior thesis on the prison system. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's, you know, and uh, like a lot of women who start dancing, uh, I thought I would do it for a couple of years, you know, mm-hmm. like make some money, get through college, get through law school if I went, you know, like it's when I was, and then I stayed, well, I stayed a really long time, <laughs> I mean, 22 years and now over 25 years continuing. Um, it happens to a lot of us though. Most women stay two to four, I mean, uh, like four to eight, you know, eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, a few of us stay this long, but yeah. So And so when you fully made the transition into, it's, it's, you have to educate me, is stripper the correct word? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we use dancer or stripper, dancer. but okay. yeah, it doesn't, you know. Okay. So you, yeah. when you fully transition into dancing mm-hmm. and this is what you're doing, what is that like? Cause this would have had to have been what nineties. It was, uh, I started in 92. Okay. So early nineties, yeah. mm-hmm. um, many, many years before me too, right? Many, many years yeah. before we're even close to being in a place where we are now, which is closer to gender equity, sort of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort of. I don't, I don't even know. If, maybe know. a little bit. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a, too generous, but yeah. anyway, we're here now and it's, right, it's right. sort of more, um, more open. People were mm-hmm. talking about it more. Um, definitely not in the nineties. So what was your experience being a, the type of woman who's pretty unapologetic with mm-hmm. your decisions and living your life, but being in a time where, um, it, that's not, that's not okay. You know, I, I think part of my experience, because I don't, is that I was in San Francisco. So I was in the Bay Area, which has mm-hmm. always been sort of, you know, ahead of its time in terms of um, worldview and mm-hmm. also just social um, stuff. So it really wasn't that big of a deal, honestly. I mean, I, I told everybody, my parents, I, I mean, I moved out of the house when I was 15. So I wasn't like close to my parents, but I was open with everyone. And I told them I was dancing and Actually, the funny thing is when some childhood friends heard, they were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, it, was, <laughs> it totally wasn't a shock to anybody. It was like the least shocking thing I did was, be, was become a stripper. But mm-hmm. it was amazing. And the women I worked with in San Francisco were incredible and all really strong, empowered female 
types. And so like, I've always just had that experience from day one in the industry Mm -hmm. and, and people treated us incredibly. Like the men treated us like goddesses. Like it was amazing. You know, so all the things that people think the ideas of how we're treated, it's not really the case always, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I've never, I've rarely been treated poorly in the industry, you know, or by men in general, to be honest. I mean, sure. I've had, you know, like hard relationships and stuff, but, Mm -hmm. and a few like jerk dudes, but if you just carry yourself in a certain way, like you won't put up with that. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Or attract, like, it's kind of what you attract, you know, if you want to get that whole hippie thing, but like, you know, um, Um, I think that there's probably, um, and I'm, you'll have to maybe educate me on some things. Mm -hmm. I'm not probably that well educated on the realities of a sex worker, Mm -hmm. whatever type of sex work um, that is. Um, I think the perception is probably that it's very seedy. Right. And that you must be damaged right. somehow right. to do that work. Um, right. My opinion would be like, that can't be true for everyone. There are so, it's not true for, it's barely true. In fact, mm-hmm. I mean, and yeah, no one's perfect, but there are so many women in this industry and like, I mean, million, like a, hundreds of thousands of women who do this who people have no idea, like their neighbors mm-hmm. or whatever, who are escorts or cam girls or strippers, you know? And we're just, we run the gamut, but we're pretty normal. Like we're just regular people, you know, mm-hmm. that's the thing about it. It's like, and yeah, a lot of us, you know, did come from, you know, like shitty childhoods and whatever, but so did a lot of people who are doing, who are not in the, in the business, you know? Right. So. Right. So being in that business with the perception being what it is, whether mm-hmm. it's true or not, mm-hmm. right. how do you think you be, you protect your, um, agency as a woman um how do you be an empowered woman in that role well you know it's like i said to you before when we were talking before today that 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 i like to live um by example mm-hmm. and i think that's how I, to a good way to exact change is to just to be myself and have people get to know me and see what at least one woman is like in her story in this industry and then people you know and people tell me all the time you know that it's like I don't know. It just helps them view They're like, Oh, okay. And it's, it's not exactly what I thought it was. And she's funny. You know what I mean? Like she's like this has this good heart and her clients aren't all insane. You know, I mean, well, one, he's crazy, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like they're just human <laughs> beings. We're all just human, you know, right, that's what I'm right. trying to say, mm-hmm. you know? And so, um, but I like to empower people and myself just by being strong and by being, by living, you know, day to day and sharing about it. And just showing the humanity in it Mm -hmm. and what, you know, I hear all the time, like people who they're like, I could totally relate to you and your stories and what you post, even though I've never been in that industry, but I relate to all the stuff that you, the way that you look at it, you know? Sure. Yeah. I think it's an important conversation to have because definitely it seems to me that there's still a, a stigma there. Like I think even the term sex worker, like, presses a lot of buttons for people. It's so funny. That term has changed over the years too. And now, mm-hmm. um, yeah, <laughs> I have separate thoughts about that. But back in the day, sex worker used to mean women who are prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Like you were, having, you were having sex for money if you were a sex worker. And then you were just a stripper or whatever if you were just a stripper. Now, kind of the millennials have blanketed it all under one umbrella. 
Mm-hmm. So now sex worker can mean lots of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't used to be that way, but you know, it's fine. I mean, but there's reappropriation of terms these days, you know, but yeah, you know, um, yeah. I mean, well, it's part of one of the reasons why I wrote this book and also why the TV show, especially I want to show, cause the TV show is going to be more about the prostitution mm-hmm. that I, I really want to show a different view from some, someone who is a veteran, not, you know, some writer has no idea or whatever, that, what anything about this, you know? A lot of people will say like, oh, I went to a club twice and then I wrote something about it. It's like, well, you can't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you're not, I mean, that's fine, but like, you're not, you know, what do you really know about what it, the life, you know? So. Yeah. So you were definitely in the life as you put it. Yeah. What were your big lessons about being in the life? What did you take away from that? Well, still, I'm still in it. So having boundaries, having strong boundaries and knowing who you are Mm -hmm. and also having really good uh, instincts and reading people. I tell girls all the time who want to get into the industry, into the escorting. I'm like, well, you should go strip first and do it separately because you'll learn so much. Like it's to jump in straight into escorting is it's harder than people think. So I wouldn't suggest people do that. So I'll say that. And I also say, look, if you should also have really good, you should be able to read people because there are obviously a lot of dangerous men out there and whatever. And also it's illegal. So there are cops and people still trying to bust women and you have to get a good read on the person. Cause if you're going to go to the hotel room or whatever, I mean, it's, you know, you're taking a huge risk. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say this, you know, I mean, you'll learn some of that will come to you by, by getting in the industry. But it, if you have a really good already going in, you're going to be, you know, so much better off. I've always been, I had a good read on people. I've always been able to tell when someone's kind of shady or whatever, right off the bat. You know, <laughs> that's, that's a good skill to have. Yeah, it <laughs> is. It's, it's really like, it's been amazing in my life. It's true. I mean, I listen to my gut also, but like, you don't have that gut feeling, which mm-hmm. I've, I've met a lot of women who didn't, and they just, I don't know, whatever, you know, and then they ended up in a bad situation, you know, do you, think there's a way to, do you think there's a way to cultivate that? Yeah, I think a little bit. Like I said, if you if you get in the club and um you know, you'll you'll toughen up a little and you'll learn by going by doing, but ultimately I think it's the women the women who last in the industry are the ones who probably had that in the beginning already. Mm-hmm. You know. And I don't mean like you know, jaded or you know, a shell around you. I don't mean that. I just mean being able to read people, you know, mm-hmm. pick up on their where they're coming from. So you're in the industry, you start as a stripper, uh-huh. you end up doing more sex work. Is, is that right? Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's in the book. Yeah, I the first, I people ask, people always, um, when you're a stripper, they ask you like all night long, you, you, you know, guys, how much for sex or can they, you know, do more or whatever. Mm-hmm. And for so long, I just said, you know, no, I don't do that or whatever. And because um, I didn't, wasn't lying to them. Also, back then I was making so much money at the club. It's like, why, why you know? Mm-hmm. and uh one night um i was single also for like a week i was never single i was a serial <laughs> monogamous back then um this guy asked me the usual question and you know he had spent already a ton of money on me that night and i just said all right i just said it's 20 grand and he goes okay so i'm like just like that just like that so i'm like all right i'm gonna do this and i did wow. so that's the first time i ever did it did you think he was gonna say no or laugh yeah i totally yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I mean, threw that number out. I mean, should I should have said fifty or something? You, you should know? have. <laughs> like, I hey, go for a cool hundred. <laughs> I know. That's gonna be the case. <laughs> I just pulled it out of my ass because I really didn't think he was going to say yes. You know. <laughs> wow. So what I'm curious about is to mm-hmm. know, like, what thought process you go through as you're sort of making these career transitions in the world of stripping. Mm-hmm. Um, did you struggle with that at all? I never struggled with being in the industry. Unfortunately, a lot of my partners did, like boyfriends mm-hmm. and fiancés. And it, it's it's hard on relationships. It's been hard on relationships for me. I'll speak for myself, which is why I'm totally single now. Like, I won't date anybody again until I'm retired. It's just too much to, it's just mm-hmm. too difficult, you know? Even if the guys say, actually, t- earlier today, this guy was like, by the way, you should know, because he wants to date me. I mean, he's a sweetheart. But he was like, I'm totally cool with your industry. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Every guy says that. <laughs> <laughs> until they fall in love with you and you really build this bond. And then suddenly they're like, I don't want you fucking someone else. Do you mean it makes sense? I get it. Um, but sorry, I got off point. Um, so the only thing is like, I always felt good about my work. I like doing it. I'm good at what I do. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could do this for 26 going on 26 years if you're not that good at it, but it's it definitely, it's been hard on the people I've had in my life. So I throughout all these years, I've always sort of been looking for, the next thing to do. I mean, I've tried on lots of different other shoes, just nothing's really fit. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I always, I felt fine about what I, I never doubted my decision or regretted my decision ever. Not once. So you didn't regret the decision. It mm-hmm. felt right to you. You mm-hmm. were always okay with it. I have to imagine though, that beyond boyfriends, that there's additional pressure to quit. There definitely is. Now when I tell people I'm a hooker, they just have a million questions. The main thing people ask is, what are you going to do next? Or what, what's your goal? Or what's, you know, rather than, oh, that's amazing that you, you know, make your own schedule. You, you don't work very often. You're making good money. You know, all of the positives that, which mm-hmm. would be, you know, like do people ask bartenders, like what's your next move? I mean, maybe they do, but you know, or like cab drivers. I mean, there's a lot of people in an industry like this, similar and independent contractor, although that's starting to change. Consultant. consultant oh, now. Look at that. Well, they just passed a law in California, <laughs> which has totally made it really shitty for strippers here. Actually, my friend just said she's no longer dancing because they're all employees now. It's a really, it's a shitty move. It really oh. doesn't help us at all. And uh, anyway, but that's what I was thinking. But anyways, but so the, yeah, so, you know, that was always the thing. It's so weird when people are like, well, what's what they assume that it's temporary, you know? Mm-hmm. So with the mm-hmm. pressure of that, um, in the face of all of that pressure. So, so there's people that are like assuming mm-hmm. like, this right. can't last. Right. And then there's the overarching societal pressure of you must be a dirty, <laughs> bad person or like, a drug right. addict or something, if this is what you're doing, how do you, I think the listeners would like to know, like you, you chose a, a line of work that is controversial to say the least, I would say, but for our listeners and going along with our theme of unapologetic for this season, I think a lot of our listeners feel pressure to not pursue what they love, not pursue what they are passionate about for any number of reasons. So with that pressure, how do you, how do you choose what is right for you? No matter what the pressure is. I haven't listened to that outside noise, you know? So to me, it, to me, it's Mm -hmm. not a controversial, I don't think of it that way. To me, it's a job, you know? And 
Um, so, and maybe my head's in the clouds, but like, I just, I don't know. I don't, that's not the way I live. It's kind of funny what you just said too. Cause when I asked, um, my followers today, how I've empowered them by my account or my book or whatever. And this woman wrote to me privately because she didn't want to say I'm publicly, but she said that she reached that she was stuck in this job that she really hated. And because of my account, I actually, she said, I quit my job because of you and I'm in a much better place right now and a better job that I absolutely love. And she was like, and it was totally that you gave me the strength, just who you are as a person gave me the strength to believe in myself and mm-hmm. to do this thing. And I'm like, that's fucking awesome. And I love that. You yeah, know, that I is. Mean, it's amazing. And, that's, and like I said, and that's just from being living by example, you know, I think that's the best thing you can do. And even mm-hmm. when you were saying about what people think, you know, about sex workers or, you know, and all of us, whatever, when I meet people, that's why I tell them, you know, and yeah, I like get a lot of questions or whatever, but I want them to see. And usually by the end, they're like, wow, you don't seem like I never would have guessed, or you totally don't seem like whatever. And I'm like, right. There's a lot like me. I'm not alone in this. There's a lot of women like me in the industry. So it's like, I want to show them like there's, we pretty much outnumber like whatever the, you know, Hollywood version of us is, to be honest, you know, a lot of us are just Mm -hmm. moms and students and, you know, we run the whole gamut of what we are. So I coach women in in Mm -hmm. wellness and fitness. And I, I think I chose the theme of unapologetic for this season because I'm constantly talking with women and my clients are included in that mm-hmm. about having agency over themselves, whatever that means to them. And so although they might come to me with a health concern or like a weight concern or a stress mm-hmm. management concern, I find that the majority of the time it comes back to building their confidence up and helping them um, understand or helping them right. choose Absolutely. themselves. Absolutely. Regardless of what's swirling around them and what right. people will say. And um, it's tough, I think. And I think women really are struggling with that at right. this point. Well, I mean, time. that's exactly. I mean, I, you know, I've always said, if you, if you know who you are and you're proud of who you are as a person, and the rest just falls into mm-hmm. place. You know, does that make sense? Like, but mm-hmm. if you, but if that, that core part really, you know, who, you know what I mean? Like, I know exactly who I am. I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but I know who I am. I know I'm a good person. I know, you know, I'm proud of who I am. And so the rest is just like, whatever, <laughs> you know, like whatever people are thinking or whatever they, you know, I mean, it doesn't affect me personally because I already know who I am. If that makes sense, you know, and I think, yeah. And and you, I think what I hear you saying is that you just don't take on no, other people's right, exactly. stuff. You know, I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm not, yeah. I do care what people think. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, you know, above that or whatever, but not at a core level. It doesn't affect my core, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what's important. And if anyone, you know, if everyone, if we can all get to that place and we're so much happier, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. How do you think we? Get well, it to took that me place? a long time. I'll be honest; it did. You know, I mean, I spent all mm-hmm. of my twenties and uh, early thirties in. Uh, I was clean and sober, so I was in meetings and and therapy and talking about it and working on my issues and you know um, and learning how to love myself and all that. So I think it was just it was that work, and then also just I think my age too. I think just at some point, I think after forty, everything just gets better. <laughs> personally, 
<laughs> that's why I always tell friends, you know, girls are like, whatever, I'm so like old or like in their early thirties. I'm like, ugh, you're young and just relax. I'm not even old, you know, like that's so weird to say. But I think right. it just, I think there's something about getting a little bit older too that just helps with that, that with that, um, you know, like the not giving a fuck and also being a little more comfortable in your own skin. If that might, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. at least that's been right. Yeah, I think it's time giving yourself some space to right. screw it up and learn from it and handling right. yourself with right. some grace and saying, I'm not a perfect person. Right. And, and then I don't going need through things, really hard things, and getting to the other side. And you see that it, even mm-hmm. though it's crushing and horrible in the moment, like, you know, this teach shall pass is really like, true and you keep going through things and you realize you get stronger each time and then you don't the world doesn't mm-hmm. you know disintegrate and you don't blow up you're still there hopefully you know what i mean i mean that's mm-hmm. the goal i mean that you get through these things and you learn and get stronger and so i think you know so then you can get to a point where you're not yeah. sweating the small stuff as much i guess is what i'm saying you know yeah not sweating the small stuff as much i think people are struggling yeah, with that absolutely. for sure <laughs> i still do i'm still trying to <laughs> Figure that oh, yeah. Out. I mean, we never actually get to a place of like, or even if we do it, like, you know, this, you know, the enlightenment thing, the enlightenment thing you can have for like five minutes and then it's over, you know, feel like it's a momentary. Yeah. I think most of us don't. I think that there's like five <laughs> people in the entire world that have figured it out. I'm pretty convinced that Beyonce is one of them. <laughs> she has figured out this life thing. That's so funny. I love it. I am not clearly I am not Beyonce. Half the time I can't find my keys. Oh, she's so. probably in the same boat. <laughs> she's probably looking for him right now. <laughs> She'll write a song about it. <laughs> probably. So I love the way I think one thing that I really connected with you on just like getting to know your story and looking at your feed is that you definitely do live this unapologetic Mm. life, like just doing you and, you know, trying to have a positive impact in the world. And I think what was interesting about that for me personally was that um, I sort of had this perception around the world Mm -hmm. word unapologetic. Like I, I saw the word and I was like, I think I want that to be the theme that we talk about over this season but I felt a little uneasy about it because it sounded um, confrontational maybe or like sort of a a, yeah like an inner inner like right in your face battling kind of thing and I was like well I don't want the audience to take that away from it Um, and I think I connected with you really quickly because as I was looking through your information like I research everybody before I get on the show I'm like I gotta make sure this person isn't a nutcase <laughs> or like a racist You're like, so <laughs> um one thing that I really notice is that the way you go about yourself in, in being mm-hmm. unapologetic is it's not this like very um confrontational like going to battle sort of way it's there was this there was an unexpected Mm -hmm. softness to it um that I was like oh see that's what I'm trying to get at here (laughs) 
So I appreciated that. And I'm just curious, what are your thoughts about this on like this idea of, I think women are starting to grasp onto this word Mm -hmm. unapologetic, but it still has in a way a negative connotation to it. And like, you must be a bad person or you must just be this person that wants to fight with everybody. Yeah. That's not how I see the word either. I mean, I mean, I hear you, but yeah, to me it's, it just means um, having no shame in your decisions and your life and in your view and your, who you are as a person and not, I will censor ourselves a little bit, but you know, also to me, like not censoring ourselves to a point that we're uncomfortable. We're doing it mm-hmm. for other, for reasons that not because we want to, does that make sense? Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I personally think it's easier to get people to listen, especially if they're on an opposing side or whatever, if you come at it, not screaming at them and throwing things at them, you know, like angry, if you're actually calm and you can just mm-hmm. discuss your point and, and, and give them things to relate to, I think that's a better way to exact change and to, you know, and, uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, and I, it's funny. I know it seems like after 26 years, I'd be pretty jaded, but I'm not actually, you know, I mean, which is, I don't know either. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I am crazy. <laughs> you know, that's my crazy part. <laughs> it's, I mean, I guess you have to be a little bit off to do this for this long. I mean, just a smidge. let's be real you know but not in any sort of you know negative way but just sort of like eh, you know um but Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I I see women that I support and whatever who are on you know different platforms and and they're very much confrontational in their in their stance and their views and their you know and that's and I support whatever they want to do of course like I support them you know but to me Mm -hmm. that's not I've I don't need a fist in the air that's I don't need it a fist in the air to me I'm just I'm strong by just being if that, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and I'm unapologetic in the way that I don't need to apologize for the choices I've made. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty, that's pretty like that simple, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's key. Um, Just deciding that you don't need Mm -hmm. to apologize. You don't need permission really. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely hear that. Um. And all of the the Mm -hmm. things that you have learned, what do you think are for, for a woman who right now is struggling with Mm -hmm. maybe her sense of self or finding her voice and wanting to get to that place where she is like, I'm not going to ask for permission for what makes me happy. I'm not going to apologize for it. What are your tips? Where do you think are this is the starting place? The starting place is learning how to love ourselves. I think that's, really the key Mm -hmm. and anytime that negative voice pops in their head that either is self-doubting or saying they're not good enough or they're not strong or they're whatever that voice I and I actually used to do this Mm -hmm. I would stop myself and actually talk to that voice (laughs) and have then say no yes no and actually stop it and then replace it with something that was positive Uh, and then eventually that Mm -hmm. just becomes something that it, you, the other voice isn't there anymore, you know? So yeah. and it takes, it, it, it's, it's practice and it's it really practice. does take work because you have to stop it. You have to actually mid sentence, stop that voice and say, no, I'm not going down that road. Yeah. No, you know? Absolutely. I agree with that a hundred percent for the listeners of this show and, and those that have been 
following me for a while, then most of them by now probably know like this is one of my big things. <laughs> about, like, oh, I didn't even know shutting that. down the yeah the negative inner critic. In fact, I have a workshop um, that's well, exactly that. this: how to master your negative inner critic and what you're saying, mm-hmm. talking back to it. Uh, absolutely. I, that's something I still do, um, and it still works for me. I actually gave my voice a name. Her <laughs> name is Felicia. And sometimes I'm like, mm, not it. today, Felicia. So funny. <laughs> <laughs> we got no time for that. <laughs> so that by Felicia thing really means a lot to you. <laughs> it really means something. It's <laughs> great. And people are like, you don't actually talk to them. I'm like, no, sometimes I actually do because yeah, it's sure. that powerful. And it's yeah. practice and it's, you got to take control of it. Otherwise sure. it will run takes, you. You know, I mean, most of us, that voice has become so, you don't even notice it. So you have to notice it first and mm-hmm. recognize when that happens, yeah. you know, but I think that's a good jumping, a good starting point. And then also once you get that, then it's, then it's, you know, recognizing the people around you who support you and those who don't. And you can, it's, mm-hmm. you know, getting rid of negative people around you and your surroundings as well. I mean, if you can, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Or at least like if it's family or whatever, then at least having better boundaries with them or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Creating some distance. If they don't support. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So I know by now that that folks must be Mm -hmm. pretty curious Mm -hmm. about the book. So again, it's called Anything But a Wasted Life, which will be available in American bookstores April 30th. Well, it's sort of a soft right. opening April 30th. Yeah, April 30th is the launch date. They're launching it. Um, we're It's ahead of their schedule, I found out. I just got this news like recently, so I'm still sort of learning about it. But um, so I think by the, I don't know, I'm going to learn more. But yeah, I, I think by, by summer, or at least a good thing, sorry, I'm like not making sense, is that if people... Okay. <laughs> We're not in a rush. <laughs> um, before it's fully in bookstores, which will probably be because they do their buying, I think in fall, um, at least what I, April 30th mm-hmm. means after that date that people can go to their local bookstore and ask for it. And then they can actually order it because now it'll be have U.S. distribution. Okay. So, which I encourage people to do. That'd be, if you want to, that'd be great. You know, you can also get it online. It's, you know, obviously whatever from Amazon and a few other places, but, um, so yeah, and for now, like it hasn't been available in bookstores, so it's here in the United States. So that's a big deal. I'm really excited about that. Yeah, yeah. so that's a big Thank deal. You. Congratulations, and you have like a real big time publisher <laughs> behind you. you. So <laughs> congratulations <crazy>. on that. <laughs> so what can people expect from the book? Um, huh, I've never asked that. I guess it's, it's, it starts at the club. I wrote it, actually wrote the thing. I started writing it at the strip club. I, I brought my composition book when the club was slow. It was like right before the 2008 like big recession hit. So the club had started slowing down. And so mm-hmm. in order to sort of bide my time, whatever, I started writing. So it starts in the club and then it goes, it toggles between my past stories and then current club stuff and then relationship stuff too. Who is the book for? It's, I would even say teenagers could read it. I mean, it's, you know, but I would, I would say mostly it's like between 18 and 65. I mean, it's, it's a broad and men and women. It's, it's really as a broad range of, you know, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm excited to check it out as soon as it's available. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also this, I uh, thank you. And also this launch is, um, 
cool. Cause then I can start to uh, put together a book tour. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't been able to schedule that yet because it wasn't, has the book has to be in bookstores. Um, so that will be coming who knows when, but hopefully soon within a year or this year, probably. So all exciting stuff. Sita, where can our listeners find you on the interwebs? Um, they can, Oh, actually I just realized that's good. I just changed my handle. So now they can find me on Instagram at Sita Kalen. That's my handle. Just my name, Sita Kalen. And, um, also my website, sitakalen.com. So it's pretty simple. Wonderful. So folks get on the web, (laughs) get on the gram. (laughs) Yeah. I have a Facebook page, but I don't use it very often. Instagram has been my biggest, um, uh, area of Mm -hmm. success. (laughs) So Instagram is more fun. It is. Although it's getting (laughs) a little uh, these days, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So check her out, check out the book, anything but a wasted life. As soon as it's available, uh, starting April 30th. So if it's not at your local bookstore, just let them know and they should be able to get that in yeah. for you. Or in the meantime, you can get it online just like everything else. Yeah, it's, on, yeah it's on Amazon and whatever. And you can do, it's, it's you can um, get a physical book and also um, it's a uh, digital and also a, a version as well. So it has e- oh, the Kindle. Cool. Yeah. So lots of options, yeah, yeah. no excuses. <laughs> Go check out this incredible story where you can get all the dirty deeds that we just didn't oh, yeah, have time to cover inside. today. It's all the inside <laughs> stuff. Oh my God, there's so much. We would be here for five hours if we didn't cover it all. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sita, for making some time Absolutely. and getting on the show with us tonight, um, especially the, you know, for Women's History Month, we're all about honoring women who don't get enough shine and who are it. out here doing cool things in the world, but aren't Beyonce. So we're <laughs> probably not going to know about them. <laughs> so. That's right. I love that you, I was reading or I listened to when you said why you wanted to do this and people who weren't, I love that, that you're showcasing women who, you know, maybe you wouldn't have heard of otherwise. And I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's my pleasure. I'm having a great time with it. So thank you all again. And folks, you know what you need to do now, just like last season and the season before that, I need you to head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. Yes, I actually read all of the reviews, <laughs> every single one of them. So put it there. Let me know what you're thinking. And as you know, by now, those reviews and those ratings help us with our rankings and to get this show in front of new audience members. It's a free, simple way that you can support this show and help it grow so please and thank you that's our show for this week check us out next week until then have a lovely day and we're out